Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership Podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, and I'm founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, Senior Pastor of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alumni, which means we spend a lot of time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Well, here we are, Ruth, Season 4. Wow. Oh my goodness! I can't wait for this one. Well, I can't. I can't imagine that you're not completely bored by now. <laughs> no, really. This. So the title of this season is "Seeking God in the Crucible of Ministry," and it's based on your book, "Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership." And this is how I got introduced to you. Uh, really, uh, a friend handed me the book, and I was in a crucible experience, and I was dying, and. I read the book and then I signed up for a transforming community and entered it like mm-hmm. two weeks later. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was back yeah. when like that was possible. Um, I think someone made it possible for me to attend. Uh, and it that book and that transforming community experience had a radical impact on me. Well, that book came out 10 years ago. Yeah. And now there's a second edition mm-hmm. out. So It's an expanded edition and includes some new things. So tell us what's new about this second edition. Mm. Well, um, it has a new forward from Gary Haugen from International Justice Mission. And we've uh, also had a significant relationship as organizations. And so that's that's exciting because the book is now um, a little bit more connected with those who have a strong sense of mission in what they're doing. And so I, I love that. We've also added the How Is It With Your Soul assessment, which we've been using. I've been using that in my teaching for many, many years and always actually introduce the topic of strengthening the soul of your leadership when I'm speaking. I always introduce it with this 15-question assessment, but now we've included it in the book, so we're hoping that people really benefit from that. And then also I've added a group experience, so a lot of guidance for how to make moving through this book, a group experience, because what I've discovered is that many, many people go through it with a group, like their elder group or their pastoral staff team or their board or something like that. And so I thought, well, let's just give some guidance so that the leader doesn't really have to kind of write questions and figure it all out themselves. And so I do call it a group experience, not just a discussion, because I give guidance for how people can enter into silence together before they begin their conversation and how to be soul to soul rather than just doing intellectual conversation. And so it's a group experience that I have developed to go along with the book. And I hope that that enables groups of people to be souls together and to go uh, go through it together as leaders. So if you're a leader, pastor, uh, go on the show notes and you can order this book. It's the second edition of Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. And I've recommended this to so many pastors and so many leaders. But now there's this great group experience mm-hmm. guide. So, uh, and Ruth asks great, great questions in it. Great. <laughs> <laughs> great questions in it. And so you're going to want to p- pick this up. So uh, let's, let's dive in. My first question, Ruth, is what are you talking about when you say your soul? Mm-hmm. That's such an interesting question because many people think of soul stuff as being soft stuff. Right. Um, and sort of amorphous and ill-defined and what is it? But actually, the soul of us is the part of us that is most real, according to Scripture. The soul is the very essence of us that God knew before he brought us forth in physical form. It's the part of us that will continue on in God's presence even after our bodies have gone into the ground. It's the part of us that transcends or goes beyond any role that we play, any relationship that we've allowed to define us. It goes beyond our successes and our failures or any challenges that we're facing right now. Um, 
And so the soul of us, even though we can't see it and touch it, like we can touch bodies, our soul is the part of us that is most real. And so one time I remember wanting to get the perspective of one of my teachers, Bob Mulholland, who is no longer with us here in, in physical form, but certainly with us in spirit. And one day I was on the phone with him and I thought to ask him, he's a New Testament theologian uh, from Asbury Seminary, I thought to ask him, Bob, what do you mean when you talk about the soul? And he goes, well, it's the place where God is present to us. And I thought, what a great definition. And it reminded me of Romans 8, where it says that God's spirit witnesses with our spirits about the fact that we're children of God. And from that place, we cry out, Abba, Father. And that place where God's spirit witnesses with our spirits is our soul. So you can parse the human person in different ways. And of course, the Hebrew language uses the word heart, perhaps, um, in almost a synonymous way with soul. But it's the part of the person that we're talking about, however you name it. It's that part of us that is most real, our essential self that God created, the place where God's spirit witnesses with our spirits about things that are true. And so when some of us get into ministry at the beginning, our souls are big, they're, mm-hmm. it's open to yeah. God. Mm-hmm. We're hearing God all the time. Hearing God all the time. Yeah. But the title of this season is Seeking God in the Crucible of Ministry. Mm-hmm. So all of us, if we've been in it long enough, mm-hmm. we reach a point where we've lost our souls mm-hmm. or we're losing our souls. Yeah. Uh, so what's it like to lose your soul? What do you mean when you talk about that? And why is it so crucial mm-hmm. that leaders find a way to strengthen mm-hmm. our souls? Well, I can tell you a moment for me in my own experience when I realized I had lost touch with my soul. And by the way, I don't think that when Jesus talks about losing your soul, he's talking about losing your salvation. He's We can't lose our salvation. That right, is secure. Right. But we can lose connection with that which within us, which is most real. So I remember one time being on the phone with a friend, a colleague who had helped found the Transforming Center, and we were just having a friendly conversation, not a strategic conversation, one of those safe conversations where you're just sort of letting it flow. And I remember saying and surprising myself and saying, I'm tired of helping other people enjoy God. I just want to enjoy God for myself. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) And it surprised me that that's what was true and that that's what I had said. So we were kind of quiet for a minute, and then he said, well, that's a problem. (laughs) 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 And I said, well, you're right, because when a person who's trying to lead other people and being in touch with their souls and encountering God in the depths of their being is out of touch with God at the center of their own being— that is a problem because it means I'm not leading out of my soul right now. So that was that was an experience, not the only time, but one of the most clearly articulated times when I realized that um, I was out of touch with my soul. And as we sat even further in quiet, I realized that there was something I needed to tell God that I hadn't been able to say. I couldn't find the words, couldn't, didn't have the time. And that was that I miss you, mm. that I missed God at the center of my life in ministry, that I'd become so disconnected that I was empty in terms of connection. And so when something like that happens, and it happens to all of us, my hope and prayer is that we will not just rush past that experience, but actually stop and pay attention. Like when we lose a credit card and say, I got to stop and figure out where that is and how I lost touch because I don't want to go on this way. It's too dangerous for me to go on this way. And, you know, Jesus calls attention to this in the New Testament, in his teachings in the Gospels, and he's speaking to his disciples, and he says, what does it profit a person if they gain the whole world and lose lose their own souls? What is worth more than your soul? It's a rhetorical question, which mm-hmm. is, I think, lovely, because I imagine Jesus asking the question and then just leaving it hanging out there. And then the disciples have to go down inside and they have to say, yeah, what is mm-hmm. worth more than my soul? And really wrestle with that question, because a rhetorical question has an obvious answer, 
the mm. obvious answer is nothing is worth more than your soul, and, let we're, and yet we're not living it that way. Mm. Many of us are living as though we can keep pushing through without connection with our soul while losing our souls and just keep trying to press on to survive, uh, to succeed, whatever it is that drives us and motivates us. We think we can just keep on. And many of us are really suffering at that level. I agree. And what's sneaky about this is it sneaks up on you, mm-hmm. just like you reported. Yeah. All of a sudden you realize, yeah. oh my goodness, maybe for three months, six mm-hmm. months, nine months, yeah. I've lost touch yes. with that. So when someone's lost, we need a guide to, mm-hmm. to lead us back. Yeah. And you've chosen Moses to be the guide mm-hmm. that brings us all the way through this book. Why did yeah. you choose Moses? Well, um, I've been in ministry all my life because my dad's a pastor, so I went into ministry. Like Even while I was in college, I was doing ministry-type things. And so by the time I was in my early 30s, I was pretty burned out and worn out as a, as a Christian leader. And so at that time, um, I was invited, I believe, by God and guided by God to sort of let go of my life in ministry for a while to sort of to recoup what had been lost. And so at that time... God led me to the story of Elijah, whose experience of solitude was much like mine, which was leaving your life in ministry and having an encounter with God outside the demands of your life in ministry. But eventually I came back into ministry, which God is pretty faithful that way and brings us back after he's replenished us. And at that point, as the demands of life and leadership, um, the church I was a part of, founding the Transforming Center, the demands of beginning to write and speak and the pressure that that places on a person— I began to realize I needed somebody else. I needed another model. I needed a model in Scripture of somebody who was actually in ministry, who was seeking God within the crucible of ministry. And I actually asked God for a new character that I could identify with in Scripture. And I believe he really led me to the character, to the person of Moses, because we have more information about Moses and his development as a leader and his life as a leader than any other leader in Scripture outside of Jesus himself. There are you know, books and books of the Old Testament are devoted mm-hmm. to looking at Moses' life and leadership at what he accomplished. And Moses was someone who did seek God in the crucible of ministry. He didn't leave his life to seek God. He actually stayed within his leadership responsibilities but sought God very faithfully. And so I realized... I want to learn from that guy, you know? And um, the other thing I saw in his life was that he made it for the long haul of ministry, you know, all the way from being called all the way till the time when he's sitting on Mount Nebo and God says, it's time for you to let go and come home to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have the record of his life and he didn't lose it. He didn't give up. He lasted. He sustained. And I'm like, that's who I want to be. I want to be someone who is sustained through the long haul of my life in ministry. And I'm still... I'm still at it, you know, when God comes to call me home. So um, Moses has become a dear friend. And that is obvious Mm -hmm. as you read this book. Mm -hmm. So you write about the importance in the early chapters of naming what lies beneath. Mm -hmm. If you want uh, to be leaders with strength of souls. Mm -hmm. Uh, Please talk about how uh, the very things that pull us into ministry become the very things that um, expose what lies beneath. Right. Well, there's a real difference between um, being called by God at the soul level and following God and responding to God and, and being driven by our egos or being driven by what is unresolved within us. And Moses's call to leadership um, exposes a kind of um, unhealth in him. Moses was wired to make a difference, so he was a natural leader, and he was uh, naturally wired to care about justice. And I think because he himself was an underdog, he had a real connection with anyone who seemed to be an underdog. So we know the story that he was an Israelite, but that 
when he was born, it was a violent time for uh, Israelite children because the Egyptians were very threatened by the power and the strength and the vitality of the Israelites. And so they had this idea to to have the soldiers stand outside the door when women were giving birth and to kill all the male children. So Moses was born into a very violent and volatile situation. And so his mother, who uh, did not want to lose her baby son, as any mother would, hatched this idea to put him in the bulrushes and send him out into the river, the Nile. And uh, it so happened, by God's sovereignty, I believe that the princess, um, Pharaoh's daughter, was walking by on that day, heard the baby crying, pulled Moses up out of the water, which is literally what his name means, pulled up out of the water, and decided that she wanted to keep him. And her, you know, his older sister, Zipporah, was there watching and had the idea, you know, why doesn't she let one of the Hebrew women nurse him until he's ready to be on his own? And so he ends up eventually as a very young child living in as an alien in a foreign land, living as someone who didn't belong and 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 a victim really of the violent and oppressive regime that he was born into. He didn't have a choice about being ripped from his family of origin and taken into the the uh, palace of the pharaoh. And so I think what was deeply within Moses was a sense of himself as an underdog and a victim, and he had a lot of unresolved anger about it. And we also know that he had a longing to be with the people who had raised him, to be with his own people. So he would go back and visit. And one day he saw an Egyptian abusing an Israelite, and his anger, which was unresolved, exploded in a murderous rage within him, and he killed an Egyptian. Wow, that put him in a very dangerous situation. And so he tried to hide the evidence of his sin. He tried to hide the Egyptian in the sand, but it didn't work. People around had seen it. So the next time he came back around and wanted to intervene and be helpful to two Israelites who were fighting, they were like, you know, no thanks. Every time you get involved, somebody ends up dead. We don't need your kind of help. (laughs) I mean, that's what happens. And so um, Moses' leadership, his natural wiring for leadership, was, which was real and God-given, was still at the mercy of his unresolved anger and his unresolved issues around family of origin and what he had experienced early on. And so at that moment, even though he was wired for leadership, God could not use his leadership in its current state until he was able to acknowledge what what lay beneath his drive and his violent outbursts and his violent anger. Um, So all of us have dynamics like that that drive us to do what we choose to do in the world. And sometimes we're driven by unresolved issues, unresolved emotional issues. Um, And so I believe that the journey of strengthening the soul of our leadership begins with acknowledging what lies underneath and what's driving us and what becomes destructive if it's left unexamined. So would you say it's true that uh, all of us have Mm -hmm. something that lies beneath? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to the degree that it's not being transformed, Mm we will hurt people. Yes. Some of us in more overt Mm -hmm. ways, some of us in more sneaky, subversive ways. Yeah. Uh, So how does a leader discover what those things are Mm -hmm. even? Yeah. Well, first of all, to pay attention to what's really happening in our leadership. So Moses took himself out of the action. When he saw that his leadership was volatile and unrefined and unable to be used by God, well, I don't even know if he was aware of God at that time yet, but um, the fact that others had seen Mm -hmm. what was going on underneath and driving him meant that he couldn't avoid it anymore. And so he, he literally takes himself out of the action. And he runs away to Midian, and he enters into what I would call a really significant experience of solitude, even though he doesn't probably know what he's doing yet. Solitude works whether we know what it is or yeah. not. You know, we don't even need to understand it, but solitude will do its good work. And in this case, it was in solitude that 
that God began to reveal to him what had shaped him and the anger that was unresolved because um, eventually he marries Zipporah and has a son and calls that son Gershom as a way of owning it. Like he owns his stuff and he says, I have been an alien in a foreign land and that's why I'm so angry. Um, and that's what's driving my murderous rages and he owns it and that then opens up the transforming journey. So um, I think we need to be willing to see what's going on in our leadership. I think there's a tendency sometimes when our leadership uh, is questioned or challenged and people begin to highlight for us the fact that our leadership isn't exactly effective right now or it's destructive. We want to blame it on everybody else. We want to rationalize it. We want to avoid. But, you know, we're going to have to own it and see what's really happening. And then I believe we need to take it into uh, our solitude for a real encounter with God. And then in, in that place, solitude becomes a place of conversion for us. And once we've taken it into a place of solitude, and maybe we can name it, mm -hmm. what are some safe places we can take that to yeah. that where we won't automatically lose our jobs or mm -hmm. um, yeah. uh, how, where do we go with that? Yeah. Well, I think it's important for leaders to have a spiritual director. I just think that's a key practice for leaders who are seeking to be healthy at the soul level while they're trying to, you know, minister to the souls of others. And that's that is deep in our uh, Catholic Christian tradition that it was just assumed that priests in formation, people who are ministering to others, would have someone watching out for their own souls. That there would be a novice director early on, but then eventually there would be a spiritual director and someone who's in pastoral or priestly ministry would always have someone who's watching out for the well-being of their souls at the same time. So a spiritual direction relationship is really important. Um, to have spiritual companions in our lives who are also on a serious spiritual journey. These are peers now. These are people that are also wrestling uh, to allow God to meet them in the context of their leadership and to refine it and to make it usable in in God's hands, uh, to have peers either in group spiritual direction or a, spirit, a, a, a spiritual friend, someone to whom we do not hide, from whom we don't hide, but we're willing to bring everything. And Thomas Merton talks about the fact that the most important thing about having a spiritual director or a spiritual friend is that we're willing to bring everything and to allow everything to be seen, what's false, what's true, what it is that we're not even sure of, that we're willing to bring it all and let someone else see it rather than hiding, which is our normal, which is our normal tendency. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So uh, the title of this season is Seeking God in the Crucible of Ministry. And you've mm -hmm. talked about the crucible in implicit ways, but could you define in explicit ways what a crucible is? Well, a crucible is by definition a place or a set of circumstances where people or things are subjected to forces that test them and often make them change. So a crucible is a place where you, you go into the crucible and you become something different because you're pressed and shaped uh, and you emerge as a fundamentally different kind of person. So I think that describes ministry really oh, well, don't goodness, you? That none yes. of us enter it and come out the same person. Um, the only question is what kind? of person do we come out as? Do we come out as a person who is bitter and cynical and angry and guarded and paranoid and all of that? Um, or do we become a better sort of person because we've allowed God to be with us in that crucible and we've allowed God to be the one to shape us in that crucible? And what I see in the life of Moses is that he was in a crucible. I mean, let's be honest. If you read Moses's life, his leadership situation was a crucible all the time. He had way more pressure than I will ever have. Um, 
and he could have become a bitter, angry, ineffective soul. But instead, he kept seeking after God, and God changed him to become a person who was um, able to be surrendered and full of trust and wise, really wise about the challenges of leadership. Um, so I think choosing to seek God in the crucible of ministry rather than, you know, finding other ways to cope is key to our transformation as leaders. Oh, yeah, because typically, I mean, my first response when I'm in a crucible is to numb out. Yes, exactly. You know, to find a thing that numbs me out. Mm -hmm. Right. So seeking God in the crucible of ministry is a very courageous thing. Mm -hmm. And I think even though we have to find God in the solitude, as you've just mentioned, mm -hmm. It's something we can't make it through all the way through alone. No, and in fact, for me, let us let me just be very clear and say that it was a spiritual director who pointed me to solitude. Yeah. Like, I went into spiritual direction because I could see that there was unresolved stuff within me, anger, sadness, and I thought, I'm not going to be able to make it for the long haul, and this is not good. This is not going to be effective. These bursts of anger, these tears all the time, I mean, you know, that's not going to make make for good stuff. So I dropped out for a while and sought spiritual direction. And in spiritual direction, it was my spiritual director who guided me into a significant practice of solitude and silence in which I was able to meet God. And then I had a spiritual director that I could process everything that was going on with the whole entire time. So I was practicing solitude in significant substantive ways, and I had a spiritual director that could help me pay attention to what was going on in that place. So, Ruth, let's say that someone is stumbling onto this podcast for the first mm -hmm. time. They haven't listened to your other stuff. They don't know what a spiritual director is. Is that a counselor? Is that So can you talk about how a spiritual director is different from a counselor? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, for one thing, let's th go back to the word spiritual. Mm -hmm. You know, my favorite definition of spiritual is that it's of the Holy Spirit. So um, a spiritual director is someone who's going to be guided by the Holy Spirit in helping us to see what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. So when we get together with a spiritual director, actually we're getting together to pay attention to the real director who is the Holy Spirit. So in that 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 way already it's very different than counseling because counseling is intended to bring a problem and that person's trained and you're seeking advice from them, really good counsel about what would be healthy psychologically based on their training and they tell you that and you practice it. And that's really different than spiritual direction. In spiritual direction, we might bring a problem, but we do a different thing with it. We're not trying to get fixed psychologically. Now we're trying to open up to God through the Holy Spirit and to ask, what are God's invitations here? How is God present with me in this? What are God's invitations to transformation within this situation? Um, what's God calling me to? A very, very different set of questions. And in spiritual direction, you you should never get advice. I mean, that's just not what a spiritual director is there to do. A spiritual director is there to draw attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing, to ask good questions, to help you further understand what the Holy Spirit might be doing, but they will rarely give advice in that sense. That's, that's good. That's mm -hmm. very helpful. So last question for episode one here. Um, many people who are listening, I just know it, will name the fact that they are in the middle of a crucible mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And they don't know how they got there, but they know they're there. Mm -hmm. So what hope can you offer for leaders who are going to go on a journey with us mm -hmm. for these 10 episodes yeah. uh, around actually seeking God and finding God mm -hmm. in the crucible of ministry? Well, I think that the fact that any of us can name the truth like that 
that any of us can be in touch with the fact that perhaps we have lost or are losing our souls in the context of ministry or that we've lost touch with our best selves or that we're just going through the motions. That was another thing I wanted to mention is that we can stay in ministry but just be going through the motions and really holding ourselves back from God and from people. And that's a pretty dangerous place to be in also because it's a dis- from a psychological standpoint, you're disassociated at that point. You're showing something to the world that's not real inside, which is not healthy. So um, just the fact that we can name this and know this means that God is already at work. And I believe that a soulful leader is someone who is in touch with the deepest questions of their souls and is willing to be brave with God about those questions and to trust that the fact that we even have questions or this kind of an awareness or feel a longing for something more in God's presence is actually a sign that God is already at work drawing us and wooing us to himself and that God wants more with us and God wants more for us, which is why God is helping us to be aware of how things really are. So remember, you know, Jesus is clear that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And just the fact that you can tell the truth about where you know you are is a, is a beginning of walking into a greater kind of freedom and richness and abundance for our lives. Well, truly, I can't wait for the season. And uh, I love that you end every chapter of your book with a prayer. So would you lead us in a prayer to end this episode? Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Oh God of such truth as sweeps away all lies, of such grace as shrivels all our excuses. Come now to find us, for we have lost ourselves in a shuffle of disguises and in the rattle of empty words. Let your spirit move mercifully to recreate us from the chaos of our lives. We have been careless of our days, our loves, our gifts, and our chances. Our prayer is to change, O God, not out of despair of self, but for love of you and for the selves we long to become before we simply waste away. Let your mercy move in and through us now. Amen. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of our conversation today. As part of the launch of the expanded edition of Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership, we're offering some special bonuses when you purchase the book. So if you'd like to take advantage of that, just visit us at transformingcenter.org for details. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love to know. Please leave us a comment wherever you listen to the podcast and subscribe so that you will automatically receive upcoming episodes. May your be shown, may your be